Alright, good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. My name is Mike. Let me see if I can silence this. Hold up. And, yeah, this is Driving Theology, and you are joining me on my way to work this fine Wednesday morning. It is beautiful outside. It's a beautiful spring morning. Uh, today is, I believe, March the 9th, uh, sorry, April the 19th. April 19th. And, yeah, we are headed out to... Shirosato Machi, which is the town that I teach on Wednesdays. It's going to be about a 35 40 minute drive. I'm leaving on time today, which is rare. And uh, yeah, had a pretty good sleep last night. I went to sleep right around 11 and woke up just after 4, which is, you know, only five, almost six hours. But then I was up for about an hour and went back to sleep till about seven. So uh, probably got around seven to eight hours of sleep last night, which is good for me. Uh, I've started exercising recently uh, and bought a new stationary bike. Uh, and I have an old stationary bike that was broken and pretty much completely unusable and now I realize it probably needed maintenance and I just didn't know how to do the maintenance but the new bike I bought is really inexpensive it seems to work really well and I'm kind of excited about it yeah I got to do some do some time on it yesterday which was great uh, I didn't ride it this morning just because I got really exhausted yesterday so I wanted to kind of pace myself a little bit but I've been doing a little bit of yoga in the mornings, a little bit of yoga, and then a little bit of now uh, stationary bike riding, trying to get into shape. So I, I've had a uh, skin thing on my fingers, uh, especially, especially on my left hand, just a little bit on my right hand, uh, where the skin near my knuckles gets dry and peels, and then... Uh, cracks like if I bend it you know crack and open up almost like it's just been cut in fact I have a pretty bad cut on my index finger right now it's gonna make it hard for me to play guitar this morning in my class but oh well we'll figure it out uh, anyway so I've been worried about that and what's causing that and, and haven't found answers I had tests I went to have tests a couple weeks ago yesterday I got the results and there's really nothing wrong with me. I might have a little bit of high blood pressure, but as far as my uh, liver, which sometimes causes uh, skin problems, I, my liver seems to be perfectly fine and normal and good, which is really good news. Uh, I have no kidney stones, no gallstones. Uh, everything seems to be okay. So now I'm going to go to a skin specialist. I've already seen skin specialists about my hand before, but tomorrow I'm going to go again uh, to a, der a dermatologist, I guess is what you call it in English. In Japanese, we call it a, 
Hifuka. Hifuka. Hifu is skin. Yeah, Hifka. So I'll be going there tomorrow to get, hopefully, some more answers to a better one, apparently a, the top one in the area, so we'll just see. Anyway, that's something that's been bothering me and been weighing on my mind, and uh, of course a lot of this stuff is exacerbated by stress, and I did have a lot of stress uh, in January, February, March because of my trip to the States. And, uh, but like I said, this thing in my hand has been going on for something like 10 years, so just kind of gotten worse uh, and it's always worse in the colder months so it's been pretty bad this winter anyway trying to get that taken care of and hopefully get it settled but the other good news is, you know is that you know at least internally my organs seem to be fine all the ones that they checked uh, which is I guess better than nothing it doesn't help my uh, the hand of my skin get any better but I'm trying not to put too much lotion on it so they'll see it in its full glory tomorrow. Uh, that means it's going to be cracking today, which kind of sucks. But oh well. Be that as it may, it is a beautiful morning. Uh, it's gorgeous. I've got a nice, uh, I guess I'd call it a flat white that I'm going to be drinking on the way. Uh, nice espresso drink I made this morning. And it is just a beautiful morning outside. Sunglasses on. Got you fine folk to talk to. Uh, this morning, I, I I had a little bit of time. Like sometimes I'm really rushed on Wednesday mornings, but this morning I had some time, and so I opened up uh, my Bible app and decided to read Matthew 24 for whatever reason. Um, Matthew 24 is one of those iconic uh, parts of Scripture that a certain uh, a certain, what do you call it? I'm not even sure. Contingency. Uh, certain types of Christians uh, have memorized and really take serious. Uh, it's like one of these um, apocalyptic scriptures, the whole chapter of 24, more or less. And not sure why I was drawn to chapter 24, but I wanted to to read some of Jesus' teaching and by and large Matthew 24 is a direct quote and it's a long chapter uh, all attributed to uh, Jesus and so I wanted to read that chapter uh, and just see if I found anything and in the beginning it talks about the, the, the temple and Jesus is at the temple and he says I, you know basically I'm going to paraphrase he says look around uh Pretty soon this is all going to be destroyed. Not one brick is going to be left on top of another. It's going to be utterly destroyed. And then the, the uh, disciples ask him, well, how, how will we know when this is going to happen? What are the signs of the end of the age? And end of the age, age, I, I assume here, they use the word eon or, or ion. Uh, in uh, Greek, and that has several meanings. Usually we take it, oftentimes, we take it to mean eternal, but actually it means just an age, right? And ages have the beginning, have beginnings and ends. Uh, you could say that it's like an era, right? The era of this and that. Um, and so 
if if the temple were to be destroyed, that would definitely uh, signify the end of an era, and probably, I would think it would be the Hasmonean era. I think, I believe that temple was built by the Hasmoneans, but it, it may have been built by Herod, but they're all kind of related and, and uh, overlap. Um, but it was the, the second temple, right? Uh, so if, if the temple were to be destroyed, that what that means is that that would be the end of the second temple era, basically. Uh, which did come to pass. We know this came to pass in AD 70, that the second temple um, was, uh, I think they called Herod's temple, was torn down in AD 70 by the, by the Romans when they sacked Jerusalem. Uh, so there is, of course, some, some prophecy about that um, event in AD 70, 69 or 70. People disagree about exactly what year it happened. There is some uh, of that in there, of course, obviously. It talks about the specific destruction of the temple. The problem is Jesus goes on for there, from there and speaks in very colorful, prophetic language and a lot of people have have made this journey or have made Matthew 24 take a journey from uh, simple, I say simple, but uh, at least local, destruction of the temple into a cosmological end of times event, right? A cataclysmic uh, destruction of the world, uh, also known as the rapture, right? The, a lot of people have taken... A lot of what's said here and made this theology called rapture theology and the idea of the rapture if you don't know comes from the the middle or latter verses of chapter 24 where it talks about uh, you know two people when the field will be in the field and one will be taken and two women will be grinding the wheat or something like this and one will be taken well ba basically it alludes to half half the population will be Taken is what it says, right? Uh, and people have taken this to be a literal prophecy of what's going to happen when Jesus uh, returns. He's going to take all the people that belong to him, and then the other people will be left for destruction. So the, the half will be taken up to heaven uh, with Jesus, and the other half will be destroyed with the earth. The problem is, that's not what this, pa this uh, passage says at all. And in fact, that, that kind of theology kind of leans itself toward uh, uh, a certain kind of eschatology, which is escape theology, that, that we are on this earth, yes, and God made the earth, but the earth is on a path toward destruction, and we must be saved and rescued from the earth. We must be taken off the earth and rescued uh, into heaven to be saved problem is neither this passage nor the the entire canon of scripture points to this uh, th this is this is a certain uh, kind of philosophy that leaked into um, into Christianity which is basically platonic or uh, of Plato where the physical physical uh, physical things, things that you can touch, see, smell, 
taste, whatever, physical things, the earth, uh, is bad and is, is at its core evil and therefore uh, bound for destruction. And only the spiritual is good. Uh, and, and this is something that is so pervasive in Christianity that it may sound very reasonable to you. In fact, when I said it, it sounds pretty reasonable because that's how I was brought up. The problem is this philosophy, uh, also considered a theology today, isn't from Christianity at all. It's from the Greeks, specifically Plato. Uh, he believed that the physical was uh, um, temporary, was would not last, uh, was evil in its nature, and only the spiritual was good. But this is not what Jesus teaches. This is not what the Bible teaches, uh, not in its entirety. Of course, if you believe this already, you can find some, uh, some passages can use your confirmation bias to, to find a few passages to back this up. But just the opposite uh, is, to me, uh, based on the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus uh, and, and, and a, what do you call it, a correct interpretation of the biblical writers is that the earth was good. God made the earth to be good. God made man good. Everything he made was good. And that he is going to redeem it, to save it, to purify it, yes, but to save it, right? Uh, John 3.16, one of the most beloved verses in many Christian uh, circles, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved mankind or for God so loved Christians, uh, for God for God so loved the righteous. No, it says for God so loved the world. Uh, the world is is seen as good in Genesis, right? Everything God made was good, but later also, you know, Paul warns of uh, conforming to the world. And I think there are two, two ways to look at the world, and it can be confusing. But there is the world that God made, and there is the world which has been, uh, which has conformed to sin, right? So the world is neither good nor bad in a sense, except as it does or is. And I think if you take human beings, uh, into that consideration, you'll see what I mean. There are human beings that that do good, and there are human beings that do bad, and most of us do a little of both. Uh, and well, I would say all of us do a little of both if we live long enough. Uh, and and so the the world is similar, right? Uh, Paul, when he refers to be not conformed to the world, he doesn't mean the world that was created good. But the world in that age, uh, which was ruled by uh, evil men, and which was, in a sense, uh, being destroyed. And what I mean by being destroyed is uh, violence, uh, the, hum the violence that humans do, both to one another, to animals, and 
to the earth itself is something that's been happening for a long time. Uh, and, and the way that humans treat each other, in a sense, makes the world uh, something that we should not conform to. In other words, uh, the world has left its, its well, if you take how Paul says it, the world has left its first love, right? Uh, in a sense, the, the world, the world that knows not Christ, uh, has gone down a path to where it no longer resembles the good creation that God made. Uh, and so, uh, you know, of course, you can you can make Scripture say what you want. You can get scriptures say that the earth is good and that God loves it, or you can get scriptures say that the earth is bad. But the point is that, that Jesus was resurrected in a physical body, not a spiritual body. He was touchable, right? Uh, Thomas was able to touch him. People were, were able to touch him. His body was reconstituted re-enfleshed, if you will, if that makes any sense. And he is the firstborn of the grave, and if he was born in a body from the grave, then so will we be, because we are resurrected with him, right? Uh, and so there is going to be, in my opinion, and in the opinion of, uh, I think, of many of the biblical writers, that there is going to be a second life, but it will be in flesh, albeit a, a um, glorified or purified or perfected flesh, but flesh nonetheless. And what that means is, if our bodies are going to be reconstituted, perfected, so will the body of the earth. The earth itself will be perfected and reconstituted. And there, that doesn't mean that there may not be some purification process uh, that needed to transform the world. I don't know how that works, whether that works little by little over, over eons and eons, right, over time, um, or whether there will be a culminating event in which God puts things to rights all at once. Uh, kind of hope for the latter because maybe we'd actually get to witness it and get to see it. But, but reading Matthew 24, there are some hints that the entire chapter of Matthew 24 is about the destruction of Jerusalem and not about some apocalyptic uh, event far in the future. Uh, and I forgot the exact verses, but some, somewhere after verse 30, uh, Jesus says, um, this generation will still be alive when these events happen. After saying all these things, things that are taken to be uh, uh, prophetic of the near future, and then things that have been taken to mean uh, that, that are prophetic for the uh, far future, uh, which has not happened yet today, presumably, uh, he said all of these things will happen while you guys who are listening to my words right now are still alive. Some of you will still be alive to see all this. And so what that means to me is that there's no way, there's no way that that could be a end of the times apocalyptic event. It's not, it's not 
rapture. It has nothing to do with rapture theology. Uh, he's talking in colorful ways and trying to make points about something that is in the near future within a generation away, right? Or a little over a generation. I think uh, it would have happened within 40 years of when Jesus was talking about it. But what he was saying is, you guys who are listening to this, some of you will still be alive when this happens. Some of you won't be, is what he's saying also. But that means it happened between the, the time that Jesus said these words and now. It's already happened because there's nobody still alive. Right? Now, there, there was at one point a, some kind of a myth that John, the Apostle John, never died, that he was kept alive uh, so that he could be the one that would witness this eventually, that he is somewhere still alive today on the earth or something like this. It was at least a, a medieval uh, myth uh, that St. John uh, never died. Uh, and there's another scripture where Jesus alludes to this. He says, um, you know, what is it to you if John stays alive until I come again or something like this? He's, he's trying to make a point to Peter, right? Uh, he's, he's telling Peter, sorry, Peter, but you are going to follow me. You are going to, to follow me in death. You will be martyred, right? And as far as we know, now we're not sure that not 100% sure that all the Johns are the same. We have the John who wrote the Gospels. We have uh, the John who wrote the letters, uh, the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then we have the John who wrote Revelation. I think conveniently we, we've made them all the same John. And if and if that's true, then John indeed did, did live longer than Peter, as far as we know. But we're not sure about that. Uh, it could be different Johns, and, and there are people that believe that, that it's not the same John. Anyway, um, the way that people read Matthew 24 is a perfect example of confirmation bias. They already know what they want to happen. They want, they want some people to be destroyed. They want themselves to be alive. Uh, they want God to do some big, great, miraculous thing. And, and when they read Matthew 24, they see the evidence for what they already want. And that's, that's confirmation bias, right? They're looking for evidence to support what they already believe instead of looking at the evidence and going where it points. This is a huge difference, right? This is a huge difference looking at the scriptures, looking at the words, and following where it points to as, a point, as opposed to having a, a desire or a belief and then finding confirmation for that belief. It's a big problem in the world. People don't realize confirmation bias is a thing. We see it everywhere. I'm going to drink a little coffee. strong. That is strong. So am I. Anyway, it was really neat lit reading Matthew 24. I hadn't read it in a while. And, of course, it's a scary um, verse. You know, it talks about people dying and, and destruction. And, and, but 
Jesus alludes to or references Daniel. Daniel was a prophet who also wrote in this kind of style, using lots of pictures and images to to convey um, to convey his thoughts or hopefully God's thoughts. That's the that's the hope of what Daniel was doing. And and so uh, you know I think we could probably. accident up ahead or road construction. Either way, it's not good. But hopefully it won't cost me too much time. Had I known this, I would have gone a different way. It's too late. I'm already on the bridge. Can't get out of here. I wonder what's going on. Alright, anyway, uh, yeah, so people read, and I've said this before, um, people read scripture uh, and they reveal themselves in what they see. They reveal their innermost thoughts and fears and hopes and dreams in what they um, harvest let's say, from the scriptures they read. And by, by harvest, I mean that, you know, when you harvest something, when you harvest uh, vegetables or fruit, you're always leaving something. You're not, you're not taking it all, right? Uh, there may be a few plants where you take everything. I think carrots is one that you can, although oftentimes we, we take the root and then we cut off the leaves and the leaves are discarded. But harvesting is a process of getting the good and leaving the bad behind, right? You take out the good, uh, the good for food or, or whatever, good for medicine, I guess it could be, uh, and you leave the others behind. Same with you know, fruit tree. You, you pick the apple, but you leave the branch and the leaves, right? You don't need that part. So harvesting, we kind of, we harvest the Bible. Uh, we, we see immediately the fruit and it is illuminated by our own preconceived notions okay does that make sense so as we as we read the bible the bible is just you know bunches of of black ink and sometimes red ink on a page on a white page right it's just a lot of stuff but as we read the words and decipher the meaning the things that jump out to us as fruit, the things we keep, are the things that we're already looking for. We do this all the time. So uh, I recently had been looking for, I haven't bought a new car yet, but I've been looking for a car, a specific kind of car that I wanted. And I hadn't really noticed them around the road until I started looking at images of them and started wanting this car. And now as I drive, uh, I see this car everywhere. It pops out to me. The, I've memorized the shape, right? The shape uh, is something that, that pops out to me, and now I see them everywhere. It's like my wife's van. 
my wife has a certain kind of van that she drives and because I know its shape I know what it looks like uh, I see them everywhere but I don't necessarily notice cars that I'm not interested in or cars I'm not familiar with but we tend to see uh, readily see and recognize things that we already know right uh, and already you know in this case in the case of the, of the Bible believe and so we tend to we tend to harvest the things from the Bible that match our hopes and dreams and fears and whatever right that match our emotions and, and match our beliefs that's the, those are the things that come that bubble forth but the things that don't right uh, the, the things the things that are more difficult to understand or don't seem to uh, gel with our uh, belief system we just leave there right we, we don't think about it we don't memorize it and too often we don't question it or contemplate it and this is a big problem right this is a big problem this is why this is why we get so many weird readings of the Bible it's because we're only harvesting the fruit that we think is good instead of considering the idea that, hey, maybe it's all good and maybe I need to uh, get to know it much better uh, and start wrestling with some of these other ideas and in the process perhaps have a little bit more uh, humility about what I think is true and what I think I know. Um, you would think that's what it should do but we just we just lean into our confirmation bias we lean into the fact that uh, you know we lean into sorry we lean into what we think we know and we double down instead of facing those difficult passages or or wondering about whether things were translated correctly and wondering why this and that doesn't seem to match up um, we tend to make blanket statements. One of those statements is, well, we can't understand everything. We can't understand everything, which is, on its face, looks like a, a humble thing to say, right? On the surface, it looks like, okay, good. Yeah, that you're, you're showing humility. That's what we need to do. But actually, what they're saying is, just ignore that part and let's go back to what I, what I already said is true. Right? It's kind of a false humility. I may have to make a phone call here because it is getting late. <clears throat> Okay, I'm going to pause you guys for a second. How do I do that? Can I just pause? And we're back. Okay. I had to make a phone call to my employer because this road is completely stopped and I don't know what's going on. I guess it's road construction, but it might be an accident. Not sure going to make this podcast a little longer. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, so I guess what I would say 
uh, the thing maybe I want to say to you today is, uh, and I've said this before, it's not the first time I've said this, but maybe it's the first time you're hearing it. You are going to see and, and perceive things that you already believe and know and understand first, no matter where you are, uh, whether you see, you know, something that's happening with, uh, how do I say this, uh, a situation happening with people, right? You'll see two people arguing. Uh, there's a male and a female, one's old, one's young. You're going to have certain ideas about who's right and who's wrong just by just by seeing the situation based on experiences you've had, even not knowing what they're arguing about. You will have some some kind of a a twinge one direction or the other that you know you want to be on this side or that side and if you know and if if the people are of different races even right if if the people are of different races that's even possible right that you will have a certain idea about who you think is right and who who you think is wrong uh even before you know based on what people are wearing or how they're dressing or what social class they seem to belong to uh you're, based on what you know and other people you know and your experiences, you are going to have a preconceived notion about what you think is going on there. And uh, it's completely unfair that you would have that preconceived notion, right? It's, it's not... construction and they've totally made me late I'm not going to be I was totally on time today <sighs> this is really bad I don't know what they want me to do here no idea uh, anyway if this is going on next week let's see five 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 four that's five. Oh, it's going to be going on for the next month. Good grief. 417 to 511. This is crazy. I'm totally going around if they let me. Once you're on that bridge, there's no way around. I guess there's probably signs down there I didn't see. Anyway, some big construction things going on. I guess what I'm trying to say is confirmation bias is just how we are. And, and actually, it, it, it can serve you well. You know, it, it can help you make quick decisions. Uh, and based on your experiences and things you believe to be true, can save you from danger, from dangerous situations. Uh, it's, it's not an altogether bad thing that we make uh, quick decisions on things. Uh, because sometimes you just don't have time. Uh, you don't have the time to make an educated decision. But but we need to be aware of that. You know, the biggest thing is people not, are not aware of their own bias. They're not self-aware at all. Which is one of the things that makes us human. Uh, they have no idea that their their conclusions and opinions might be completely off base. And it really... 
it really does mean something. It's not, it's not something that should be taken lightly. It's something we should be teaching in school, that kids should be taught about. It's something that should be foundational in the educa education system that we, uh, I mean, really? These guys ought to be whipped. Seriously? What are you doing? I don't even know what you're doing. Freaking late now. Why are you doing both sides at the same time? Uh, sorry. I'm really frustrated. I can't believe they would tear up this road so bad. You know. Right now. They just... They do unneeded construction all the time in Japan. It's really frustrating. They waste tax money. Next week, I'm going to have to remember and find another way to get out of here. <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think I'll just end the podcast right there. I'm getting frustrated, and now I'm really late. At least I called, but I'm going to be more than five minutes late. I would have been five minutes early. That's cost me 15 minutes. It's crazy. Ridiculous. And I'm really low on gas. Oh my gosh. Just noticed. Um, yeah. So, remember, everything is not as it seems. Everything is not as you perceive it. Uh, it is as, as it is to you as you perceive it. But you need to realize that it could be something completely different, that your perceptions are faulty. What you think is true is never completely true. Uh, almost ever. There may be some cases where you might be correct, I guess, in your assessment. But there are always circumstances and mitigating factors and your imperfect perceptions. Right? We are not in control of our senses as much as we think we are. We can misread our senses. Just as we misread the Bible, we misread situations, we misread all kinds of stuff. Uh, and that's, we just need to know that, right? And so every time, you know, we come to a conclusion, there should be something in us that says, but I might be wrong. Where are my blind spots? You know, where are the places that I'm not seeing? What am I, what do I not know about this situation? And therefore knowing that there are those places and things that can't be known and can't be seen by you or haven't been known and haven't been seen up to that point uh, should bring humility and, you know, a lot of uh, pause to, to, temper 
your conclusions, right? With humility, saying, I believe this is the case, uh, but I'm open to other information, right? I might be wrong about this. Uh, and that's just good practice, whether we read the Bible, uh, whether we're, we're you know, hearing an argument between people, uh, whether we're seeing something that we're, we perceive uh, to be bad and wrong that people are doing, and we, we, you know, snap, we snap judge, snap judge the people, or we jump to snatch judgment. I'm not sure how to say that. Um, we need to always have this voice in us that says, but I don't know everything, and I could be wrong about this, and it's possible. So I want to, I want to take a few minutes to, to slow down, right? To be reminded of my own um, bias and try to see what I'm not seeing. And I, I think that's what's happened in Matthew 24. I think I think people have just uh, believed what they believed, and then they see it right there, right? They get they they get it confirmed, and they are blind to the other things in the passage, uh, uh, sometimes willfully blind, sometimes uh, not willfully, willfully blind, but blind nonetheless. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.